Our guest speaker for today, uh, I, I would say he needs no introduction, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and introduce him. Um, Clint Wilkie's a friend of this church, and uh, he's been with us, he was here last week, um, and will be with us actually for a couple more weeks in the future. Uh, Clint rep, uh, presently works as the ministry coordinator for the Mid-South Church Planting um, Organization here in our denomination, PCA. And so uh, I'm sure Clint's got more to talk to you about, would love to, uh, he'll talk your ear off, because uh, he's excited about church planting, he's excited about Jesus, and wants other people to know about him too. Uh, and so Clint, we're excited about you being here with us. And, uh, look forward to hearing God's word from you. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Good morning, Grace Community. Good morning to you. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's good to be here with you again this morning to open up God's word to you. So if you would turn to Luke chapter 19, Luke 19, we're going to look at and read those 10 verses in the opening chapter of Luke uh, as we have been uh, considering last week. This week, we'll have a look at Mother's Day through the eyes of 1 Samuel next week, and then we'll conclude uh, the study, really, of the life of Zacchaeus, uh, a man who, whose name meant he was righteous, but as we have understood, the context in which he lived and served as a tax collector was far from righteous at all. And when you consider the, the text before you, we looked at last week, verses 1 to 4, eyes looking for a kingdom that, that Zacchaeus had heard about the ministry of Jesus and the kingdom that he was ushering in. And so he did everything he could to meet this man, Jesus. And what we found out last week, it wasn't so much Zacchaeus seeking out Jesus as much as Jesus was actually coming through Jericho to meet this man, Zacchaeus, up in a tree and calling him down. And so this morning we were looking at the the movement of the text that takes us into Zacchaeus's home. Let's take up the reading of God's word. Verses 1 to 10 of chapter 19. Hear the word of the Lord. He, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd who forced him out, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, or to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The very word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, as we come before your word again today, that you would show us how large your heart is for your lost people, your lost sheep. That you would help us to see your kindness and generosity, and it would move us to faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus. May we have the eyes to see what Zacchaeus saw that day. 
the very Son of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who came to seek and save the lost. Would you find us here this morning? Some of us come with happy, joyful hearts. Some of us are downcast and discouraged and filled with anxiety and grief. You know us all. And so we pray you'd meet us in this place and that you would use this very word, even this sermon, to give us hope to look to Jesus once again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. No doubt you've had the experience of having to return something to Walmart, and it's not, it's just not a good experience. The, the customer service is, is not that good, and there's a lot of angry people. I wasn't angry that morning, uh, and I remember waiting in line for about five or ten minutes as they only had one person, but there were four people running around the back. That seems to always be happening. There's four people in the background, but only one person working uh, the exchanges and, your, uh, and, and taking stuff back. And so I was waiting there patiently. I was second in line, and I remember a young boy came up, and he said to me, Hey, can, can I... Um, can I cut in front of you if I need to do something really quick? And I, I said, well, sure, sure. You, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead of me. And I was thinking to myself and wondering, you know, did, did I not look like I was in a hurry at all? What, what, what made him think that, you know, this chump, sure, you can, you can cut in front of him. And he did. And it was a reminder of how often I think and look around the world in so much of a hurry. We see in this text, right, we do see that Zacchaeus is in a hurry. He is afraid to miss King Jesus. And that King Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he comes through the city of Jericho, that ancient place where God had showed his promises time and time again. And though Zacchaeus, again, was seeking out Jesus, we see that it is really the King Jesus, right, King Jesus who cuts in the line in front of Zacchaeus to show him something about himself and the nature of the kingdom of God, how generous God's kingdom is to people like Zacchaeus and people like you and me. And when he meets and sees Jesus, he is invited. Jesus invites himself into this man's home. Now, everyone hates this man. Everyone in this community Without fail cannot stand Zacchaeus who taxed and burdened and stole from the poor and the needy of that city in Jericho for the sake of the Roman government and for the sake of his own pockets. He was despised. I want you to tap a little bit into that feeling of being despised or rejected. I know it's sort of a somber way to think and begin a sermon, but it's important, I think. I think it's important to feel those times when we have been rejected when we have been despised and when we have been put off and disregarded. Maybe some of you have been put off from a spouse and are divorced. Maybe some of you have been put off by a family member. Maybe some of your children have put you off. Maybe you've put some of your children off and you feel rejected. You feel shame. You feel the weight of that moment. You can remember that moment as crystal clear moment in your life. We've all experienced that. So why do I bring that up and why should we consider Zacchaeus' life for us today? Because there is at least one beautiful truth in this passage. And that is it about, it is about God's acceptance. It's about God's acceptance and pursuit of those who are dejected and despised, who are people filled with fear and with people who have unbelief. You see, God's acceptance is the basis, right, of how we come to enjoy his presence God's acceptance of us meant there had to be the rejection of his very own son. 
And as we look at the life of Zacchaeus, we get to hear the voice of Jesus and celebrate the presence of Jesus through this man. He hears the voice of Christ and he experiences the presence of Christ. Jesus changes his life forever. Are you listening for the voice of Christ this morning? Do you feel dejected? Do you feel put off? Do you feel cold? I would ask you, are you listening for the voice of Jesus today? Are you seeking his presence as you come into worship? Are you checking boxes or are you actually looking to meet a person who said that he knew everything about you and yet still loved you and came for you? You see, through the ministry of Zacchaeus and through this text, I think we begin to learn once again what it means to listen to the voice of Jesus and long for his presence among us in our life as we seek to walk by faith. I want us to look first in verse 5 that we see Zacchaeus' response to the voice of Jesus. Zacchaeus responds to the voice of Jesus. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. This emphasizes, I think, what Luke is getting across to us, that salvation comes to us with urgency. Often we may say that, that there, I will make up my mind in, in such and such a time or in such and such a place. But often the scriptures, in particular this passage, has this note of urgency. The gospel, the good news of grace, is always an urgent message. It's a message that we all need to hear. It's a message we all need to experience. And like, like Zacchaeus, we need to hear and see Jesus Christ today. That we need the presence of Christ today, the gift of the Holy Spirit today. Not tomorrow, not next week, though we will need him next week. But this morning, we need to hear the voice of Christ and we need to hear it with urgency. Zacchaeus was not just receiving a man, but he was receiving the very God who made heaven and earth. He notes that later with his own testimony, as we'll look at next week. He's meeting the God of the universe. And again, again, this was a truly divine appointment. And God is always at work drawing near to his people who are lost, who are far off, who are living in darkness and rejection. And in this text, we do see that Zacchaeus is coming down. But this is nothing, right? This is nothing compared to what God is doing in Jesus. God came down, right? God came down to meet this man Zacchaeus and to meet him in the public square and to show him the generosity of God. God is calling upon others to call upon the urgency of Christ. Sometimes this is an immediate call. Sometimes this is a persistent calling, but God moves in with the gospel of grace with great urgency as we see in this text. Hurry, Jesus says, and come down. Jesus is on a mission. There's no time to waste. Come down. I must go to your house. And that's what we see furthermore is that salvation is not just it comes to those who need the urgency of the gospel. Salvation also comes to us by hearing. Salvation comes to us with urgency, but salvation also comes to us by hearing. For Jesus says, I must stay at your house. I must stay at your house. What a weighty thing it must have been for this man to have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and those who had described him as such. The good news that had been going around the city of Jericho and Jerusalem about Jesus. He is saying, I must stay at your house Again, sense the urgency of the voice of Jesus. You only have to consider a little bit in the Old Testament what it meant to hear the voice of God, right? 
So when you read the stories of Moses and Elijah and you read the stories of those who meet angels, when they hear the voice of God, they want to die. There is sheer terror at the voice of God who speaks. You remember that account when Moses goes up and receives the Ten Commandments and the people of God say what to Moses? Please do not let God speak to us anymore or we will die. Please intercede for us. Mediate the voice of God to us for his voice brings terror and fear. That is the note of the Old Testament when God's voice is heard. But think for a moment now, consider Jesus. The very Son of God, the King of Kings, again, the Lord of Lords, the unique voice of God in Jesus Christ, the voice of the God-man must have been astounding. He had tone. He had inflection. He had range. He had pitch. All of those things. Jesus speaks as the very voice of God to be heard, to be heard, to be conversed with, to be known. And it wasn't just about his words, right? It wasn't just the things he said or the inflection of his voice, but it was his message. The message of the grace of God, his father, to sinners who were far off, to the lost sheep of Israel. You see, the fame of Jesus and his kingdom captivated, captivated the audiences, the words of, that came from his voice. They heard him and they saw his deeds and rejoiced that he is the Lord as Zacchaeus would testify to. We went through a graduation on Friday night for one of my sons, and since we're Wilkies, we're always last. W's are always last, and we're always waiting. We're waiting for that anticipatory moment when your name will be called. We've all had that fear if you've been in a group of sharing, or you've been at a business meeting, or you've been in a graduation, you know, that that there's this rhythm that builds up. And eventually, your name is going to be called, and you're going to have to speak right? Uh, it's a terrifying thing for some of us who don't like to speak in public. I really don't like speaking in public. I'm just called to preach the gospel, right? I don't really like public speaking. But when your name is getting moved towards you, you have this anticipation, right? That grows within you waiting to hear the sound of your voice. And that's the picture here. That, that, that Zacchaeus hears the sound of his voice from the King of Kings, from the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he hears his name called out and he responds. We could say it like this. Zacchaeus says, he knows me by name. He just, just called me a short man in a tree, come down. He calls me by my name, which means righteous one, which is absurd to everybody else who heard his name. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I must go to your house today. You see, the Bible says that God himself calls us by name and we are his in Isaiah 43. This morning, I want you to think about your name and I want you to consider the very word of God, his very voice to you and me, how he keeps on speaking to his people even today. How much do you, how much do we value the word of God in our lives If it's the very voice of God to us, if it's the way in which God knows us by name and calls us out by name, we should should care for, we should love, we should desire to know this word more, right? Not less. And yet we're so distracted by all the, the, the superfluous words that are being spent on every blog post or social media site. Words that mean nothing, that speak little of our name, and if they do, they sometimes speak critically of our name. 
But the word of God comes to celebrate the name of Christ and the names of his people. This is why your church, like many churches, invests in the proclamation, the preaching, the teaching of God's word. That's why there are pulpits. That's why you support having other pulpits. That's why you support missionaries, because as God's people, we sense the urgency of God speaking to us from his word. You remember those words very clearly. And Paul writes, Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written in Isaiah 55, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, Zacchaeus responds to the voice of Jesus. How about you this morning? We see that Zacchaeus responds to the voice of Jesus. But furthermore, in verse 6, we see that Zacchaeus' joy is in the presence of Jesus. He has joy in the presence of Jesus. So the text tells us he hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. Notice that Zacchaeus' heart was changed by God himself, by God's hospitality. How do we know this? Because the words are recorded in Luke's gospel here for us, that I must stay and dwell in your house, Zacchaeus. Those are words of affirmation and encouragement. Those are words of generosity. The God, Jesus wasn't simply passing by and wishing a blessing, as if a, saint, a patron saint has gone by and kind of waves and throws blessings at people in the streets, some kind of parade. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He names the man, he enters into his home that he must stay and dwell in. That's God's hospitality. He's inviting himself into Zacchaeus' home. And Zacchaeus will make all the preparations to have him in his home. You see, the gospel of grace has one aim for us, and that is to experience the presence of God in our lives and in our hearts. One of the starting realities of the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ is this. Not only does God want to dwell with us, that's amazing in and of itself. It's, it's one thing for God to say, I have forgiven you. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions have been removed. But the Bible is going on here and in many other places like in Joshua where the God says, I, didn't, I don't want to just forgive you. I want to be with you. And I don't just want to be with you, Zacchaeus. I want to dine with you. I want to have the most intimate meal and the most intimate space and place of your life in your home. And that shows you how the the generosity of God moves not just into our homes, but he moves into our hearts. Because that is the goal of the gospel. To show God's generosity to your heart and to my heart as we seek to hear his voice and invite him in as a guest into our lives because he has named us and called us by name. See, God desires to be with his people. We could say it like this. He picked me. He picked me like, you know, the games that you play when it's time to divvy up teams and you wonder if the captain so-and-so and captain such-and-such is going to name your name. I want to be picked. Don't let me be last. Here's the picture. Luke says he, he gathers up and he gathers Zacchaeus to himself and his whole household. And Luke tells us a very familiar Old Testament method is taking place when when the call of God, when the voice of God is heard, repetition takes place. 
The text tells us that, again, Zacchaeus responds, he hurried down and received him joyfully. No one could go to that house, they were saying, that sinner. But he, Jesus, going to dine with Zacchaeus' family and friends. Oh, how quickly time flies, right, in the midst of family and in meals. How quickly that time must have flied before Zacchaeus and his family's eyes. You see, God's got big plans for his family, for his church, for his bride. Lastly, what we see really is that Zacchaeus experiences the generosity of God, and in experiencing that generosity, his heart is filled with joy. Intoxication, that word could be used as worship in many other places in the Bible. He joyfully received, worshiped, and celebrated Jesus. Imagine the joy that fills the air of those preparations as Christ comes to eat with Zacchaeus and his family. Imagine the preparations. Imagine that home, busy, preparing itself, uh, on scale of maybe one of your episodes of Doubt Abbey, preparing for some special guest. Ten, tenfold. Zacchaeus spares no expense and provides all the opportunity to receive this king of kings and lord of lords. Here is a man, right? Zacchaeus is a man who knows taxes. He knows debts. He knows he has zero, zero social standing among the people of God in Jericho. And yet, the text tells us he rejoices. This is a new balance sheet for him. Think of what Zacchaeus will learn of his time with Jesus and what he will recall. What will Jesus have to recall? And what will Zacchaeus have to recall? He will have to recall Jesus hanging on a cross for him. That special occasion, that special day in this text that Luke is telling us is looking to another day when God would nail himself to the cross so that really, right, Really and truly, Zacchaeus would become a righteous man by the shed blood of Jesus. That's what we sang. Nothing but the blood makes you righteous. And Zacchaeus will spend all of his days, and who knows, will be saved in his household because they will think of Jesus and remember the kindness of God being with him and Jesus dying indeed for him. It's a game changer. I don't know if you like the CBS commentator who does kind of the sort of documentaries, feel-good stories, Steve Hartman. He was doing a story about the secret Santa. And he recalls the story as he travels around the country often to gather his story. He remembers a homeless man who wandered into a cafe in Houston, Mississippi, not too far uh, down the road into the south and to the east. And this man in Houston, Mississippi, came to the Dixie Diner. He was a homeless man. He ordered a big breakfast. And the owner knew why he ordered the big breakfast, because that homeless man had no intention of paying for that meal. He was going to skip out of there as soon as he could. The owner, whose name is Ted Horn, knew what was coming. So he snuck up behind the man and said, I think you dropped this. And it was a $20 bill that landed on the floor. And the owner himself ended up paying for the breakfast of that homeless man. That homeless man's name was Larry Stewart. And Larry Stewart, who had experienced a meal and the kindness and compassion and hospitality of the owner, said if he had ever got rich, that he would give away as much as he could. Larry Stewart became a multi, multi-millionaire. 
And he became one of the men who phrased and coined the phrase and demonstrated with his own life the secret Santa. Whereas you watch that broadcast, and they've been broadcasting these the secret Santa gifts for years by Larry Stewart, who is always covered in a Santa's outfit, some strange garb, right? He would hand out $100 bills to people at Target and Walmart and all kinds of various strangers he had never met. And then they would capture the face of those who'd received that common gift of $100. He has apparently given away two million of those $100 bills over the course of his life before he recently died. Doesn't Larry Stewart show us something about ourselves? That we really do need the kindness and compassion of others, particularly of God himself. Kindness as we know it transcends all kinds of barriers. God's kindness leads us to tears. It leads us to repentance, Paul would say in Romans chapter 2. God's kindness is the gospel of grace. That's what the gospel of grace and kindness meant to Zacchaeus at this very moment. This morning, do you have Christ Have you heard his voice? Is his spirit dwelling in you? You know how you know? You know how you know Christ is in you? Do you know how you've heard the voice of Christ? Do you know that you have Christ? It's when your heart does flip-flops over the kindness and the compassion of God for you this very moment. Because God's kindness always leads us to repentance. It lets us let go of the things of this world. The devils, the demons, and the fears that we have, and the kindness and compassion of God help us to take hold of Jesus and trust that he is enough. And in his kindness and compassion towards us, we in turn can be kind and compassionate and generous and hospitable to others. What a great testimony. You didn't even tee this up. I had no idea that you would celebrate. Sarah, is it, what was her name this morning? Katie, thank you, Katie. Sorry. Where are you, Katie? Raise your hand. Uh, Katie, you celebrated what? The hospitality of God in this place, that people welcomed you in. What a beautiful picture of what we're all called to be. God's generosity leads to hospitality, and we should be ones who open our homes. We should be welcoming the Zacchaeuses of the world, both rich and poor, into our places that God has blessed and kept for us. So that those who have been rejected by others, who are broken by the sin of this world, can come in. They can rest. It's not about hospitality. It's about guests. It's about hospitality. See, Zacchaeus responds to the presence of Jesus. He responds to a man who comes to dwell and to dine with people like you and me, people like Zacchaeus. You may remember the 30 for 30 documentary about Marcus Dupree, the best that never was. And I got a chance to meet Marcus Dupree in Hernando, Mississippi, one of the greatest running backs of all time in high school, particularly out of Philadelphia, Mississippi. And he was recruited heavily by the University of Texas and University of Oklahoma. And those two schools sent their coaches and their recruiters to the small town of Philadelphia, Mississippi to live in that place for a month and a half so that they could recruit this man to come to the University of Texas or the University of Oklahoma. And there would be coaches that were filling the streets every night into his grandmother's home. 
I asked Marcus one time, I said, did you ever get tired of all those people coming? I mean, we've done a little bit of college recruiting and like, it's terrible. So like, how did you, did you like all those people knocking down your doors and bothering you and bothering your grandmother? He goes, to be honest with you, man, I, I loved it. My grandmother didn't like it very much, but I loved it. Well, who doesn't want to be wanted, right? Obviously, it was powerful. Just think of the commodity that he was to college sports back in the 80s to be as gifted as he was athletically. He was wanted. Being wanted is a powerful thing, isn't it? Being desired and wanted is a powerful thing. And you see, today our lives and our worship are because of a God who wants us who desires us, who has found us in Christ. How different, right? How different our lives should be if we really believe, right? If we really believe that God wants us. And he wants us because he likes us. He's not just putting up with you. He likes you because he loves you. The psalmist says in Psalm 17, 8, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. As you go home to eat today, I want you to remember Zacchaeus. I want you to remember God's kindness to him and to you. And if you know him and you delight in him, then you will truly have a heart this afternoon that will dine with a king. Let's pray together. King Jesus, you have everything, we have nothing. You have all the riches of heaven and you left that to come down to identify with us, to die for us and to redeem us. And so we pray that you, by your grace this morning, would enlarge our hearts. That we'd be overwhelmed with your kindness, that you like us. You want us so much that you are willing to crucify your own son so that we could dine with you, not just around the Lord's table today, but a table that points forward to the great table when you will sit down once again and you will eat and drink and pour the wine and sup with us. We long for that day and may that day help us to be grateful and generous this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen.